Okay, good morning, Ankeny Campus. How are we doing this morning? Doing well? Man, it is such a blessing to be back in this space again. Uh, I see some new people here. My name is Maddie, and I am the Pleasant Hill Campus Pastor. Uh, if I don't know you, my journey started here at the Ankeny Campus. So this place is very near and dear to my heart, and I'm so thankful to be here this morning. I miss you guys. Uh, hearing you sing praises to King Jesus this morning is just an encouragement to the innermost part of my soul. And I'm just so excited to see your faces this morning. And we are going to be continuing in our series today, which is called At the Core. And we are so excited to be diving in this with you. We are talking about our core values here at Radiant Church. That is go, live, love, and multiply. And last week we got to talk about Go, which is Living Scent, being a church that is a blessing in the community. And I know Kendra got to talk to you this morning about some testimonies about sending out those blessing cards. And I really encourage you guys, you have a word to share that the Lord has given you. And I am so excited to see how you guys bless others. So we talked about that last week, what it means to live scent, right? And this week we're going to be talking about what it looks like to live as Jesus lived. And when you hear that statement, that's something that comes off and it can be a little overwhelming and a little little intimidating to live literally as Jesus lived. And so we're going to do something a little different today. Would you help me welcome up Pastor Jason this morning? We're going to be doing a panel this morning and we're looking forward to chatting with you guys together over some things that we've been talking about for the past three to four years, a long time. A while, lots of staff meetings, lots of one-on-ones and things like that. And uh, I think that it's no doubt about the fact that it's been an instrumental past three to four years for Radiant Church. There's been a lot of change. There's been a lot of getting uncomfortable. There's been planting the Ankeny campus. There's been a lot that's been going on. And it sort of started out with this question of, not really a question, but more of a feeling of, we're kind of tired of the show. Can you talk a little bit about what that looks like, yeah. where that journey has taken us, kind of what the Lord did in your heart in that? I think the staff calls it my midlife crisis, uh, <laughs> is what that was. But uh, just kind of a realization over time that God was stirring something, making me uncomfortable. And, and you have to walk through those times if you've ever had God really kind of make you uncomfortable, because a lot of times you have to get uncomfortable before you grow on certain things. And and, and so the more I, I just kind of woke up one day and I'm tired of the show and I didn't even necessarily know exactly what I meant when I said it. But what I've learned over the years is it was really a posture. And what I mean by a posture is I had to take a step back and say, well, what is it about the, for instance, the Sunday event that's making me uncomfortable? Because none of us want to put on junk. I don't know anybody in the staff that's like, yeah, let's do Sunday really bad. Uh, you know, nobody sits around saying that. But we really had to ask ourselves, but do we have a clear understanding of why? we do Sunday morning. What are we throwing our darts at on that? And we had to wrestle with some tough questions, questions like, are we doing what we're doing because we feel like we're competing against other churches? That's a tough one to wrestle with. Or are we doing it because we're following a formula? You know, you can bring in consultants and be like, do this, 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 and this, and, and you got what you had. Is that why we're doing what we're doing? And, and, and we realize, no, I don't think we want to do those sorts of things. We all have a clear understanding of our calling and why we got into ministry and what we want to do. We know that at our core, we want to make disciples. But as we wrestle with the discipleship question, more and more we had to deal with other uncomfortable questions like, are we okay with somebody simply occupying a chair? or just being a spectator? Are we all right leaving somebody where they are in their spiritual journey? And man, that can be a really 
tough set of conversations to have, especially if you're the pastor of the church. Are we doing the right things? Are we making disciples? And that stirring, that uncomfortableness just started to come into everything we did as we began to ask that question. Like, this isn't just about Sunday morning. This is all aspects of what we do. Are we trying to make disciples? So even things like our staff meetings, for instance, we had to adjust those. Whereas we'd come in often, and, and churches do this everywhere. They're like, how'd the weekend go? What could we do better? What went well? Fine conversation, but we decided, you know what? We're not going to open our meetings with that. Instead, we're going to ask, who have you connected with in the last week? And how did you help somebody at Radiant Church take their next step in their spiritual journey? That creates a whole different set of conversations behind the scenes. It made its way into our small groups. We've always had a small group focus, but more and more we had to concentrate and say, you know what? Our goal was what we call missional community groups, which means outward-focused groups. And, and what the purpose of that is then to take the small group leaders aside and explain to them, listen, I don't just need people hosting and offering dessert or even teaching. What I need you to be is a pastor. I need small group leaders to understand their shepherding role, their pastoring role in what they do. It's more than just hosting. And that's been a transition as well. We've seen some enormous fruit from it. As our, as our small group leaders, they even laughed now. They're like, beat you to the hospital when somebody's in the hospital. It's like, yeah, please do. But we want to elevate the level of care, and we want to help challenge people to grow. And, and in that desire to help care more, yeah, our small groups were there. And, and we want our Sunday mornings, of course, to be a gathering of the small groups. In a perfect world, that's what it would be. But we also understand we have to elevate our shepherding, which is guiding and, and leading and feeding and protecting all of those things that are part of that. And so we started a shepherding team, and we're still working through some of the details on that. But that the shepherding team largely existed to help, A, equip and resource our small group leaders, but also to have conversations with people who aren't in small groups, provide care for them, but also maybe some nudging. Hey, can we help you get into a small group? Because we believe that growth best happens in community. We really do on that. And so the shepherding team more and more has stepped into their role. And now we've kind of brought the, the conversation back full circle again. By taking the focus off the weekend a little bit, it has now allowed us to put the focus back on the weekend you may see, hey, we're doing things a little different. We're experimenting with some things. Because you know what? We want the weekend experience to be more than just a formula or something we do every week or something for you to mark off your list. We want it to be a place where you can encounter a risen Savior. We want it to be a place where you experience God and you do life with others. We want to be intentional. If I only have 75 minutes with you, we want to be intentional with that 75 minutes. What are we doing? What has value? We want to be able to take a common theme or an idea for the day and just say, how can we weave throughout the entire service this central idea so that when someone leaves, they have clarity, they have understanding and focus about what they came to learn today and what we believe God put on our hearts to share with them. I've talked to you about the head and the heart and the hands. We've put that in our worship service to say it's more than just head knowledge. It's more than just learning. We want it to make its way into your heart with worship. But also you notice more and more we have you have activities and respond in various ways because it needs to make its way to your hands as well. So more and more we've been able to walk back from the weekend services in particular and put the focus more on discipleship 
at this time. And I believe that's now led us on a journey where we say, you know what, I don't care what the other churches are doing. And, and you know what, I'm not going to follow a formula. I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit. And we're going to go where he says that we need to go. And so that's, it's just been a two or three uncomfortable journey. And I've always told you, I'm a sharing person, Maddie. So when I get uncomfortable, I let you and Ben get uncomfortable. So kind uh, of uh, and, and so forth. But it's been very fruitful, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, lo- I love that word, but it's not a competition, right? Our desire has never been to be the raddest and baddest church in Ankeny or the Pleasant Hill area, right? That's never been our desire. But our desire is to be unique, to be different, to be a church that is called out. And it's been such a fruitful experience, even from like the level of just a pastoral staff walking through through this the last couple years together and calling each other out and walking with each other through that and it's been uncomfortable now you're gonna get uncomfortable buckle up get ready more so like that roller coaster thing that might be better actually um no but it's an inc- it's an uncomfortable exciting journey that we're walking through together and seeing what God is calling us to so with that you may have noticed that our service orders have changed the style of our services if you haven't noticed Hey, service orders have changed. Welcome. (laughs) Um, We hope that you guys have been enjoying that as well. But there's a lot of things that are changing, and we're moving them around, and there's a purpose behind that, right? We've been struggling through the question of what makes Radiant Church unique? What makes us different? What do we desire to be known for? Not as Radiant Church, but as God's church. What do we desire to be known for? And we've been talking about that a lot lately. Can Can you expand on that? Yeah, that's been another uncomfortableness for me, and if I can be completely transparent with you about it. I mean, it's... uh, Along with that journey of being tired of the show came this idea of, well, what is Radiant known for? Who are we? What's unique about Radiant? And again, give me some grace here, but when I started asking that question, I couldn't answer it. I couldn't answer it. I struggled for a long time. What's unique? And, and, and I'd hear it from the staff and from people. They'd be like, well, Radiant is a friendly place. People feel welcomed. It's warm. When you're there, you're, you're going to get a handshake and a smile. And I love that about Radiant. But is that really what I want Radiant to be known for? Because frankly, you may have just described the country club down the street too. Is that all we want Radiant to be known for? And I knew the answer was no, but please keep doing that. Don't, don't be like, well, we can be mean now. Uh, yeah, please I, be nice. <laughs> please don't lose that piece to it. But, uh, but is that what we want to be known for? And I realized, no, I, I mean, what we truly want to be known for, if we get back to that discipleship question, which is our core value today. Last week we talked about go, but this week we're talking about live as Jesus lived. What does it mean to live as Jesus lived? It means to be a disciple. That's what the very definition means. And just to remind you of the definition, it's people who leave their old life behind to be with their master in order to do the things their master does, say the things their master says with the intent of becoming who or what their master is. They're not a student, they're not a learner, they're an apprentice, and there's a big difference between those things. What would it be to be a church that is focused on helping people become like Jesus Christ? That's what a disciple is doing. They're living as Jesus Christ What does the way of Christ look like in their lives? And I began to realize that, you know what? We needed to have a pathway. We needed to have some intentional 
stopping points, some conversations uh, along the pathway, realizing that many people walk through some very common stages in their Christian journey, and we need to begin recognizing those stages, and we need to be intentional about speaking into them, engaging you at them. And so I want to show you a little bit what that looks like, and they're going to put it up here on the TVs, but uh, the, the first stage that people walk through I call exploring, and then the next phase they walk through I call awakening, and the third one is growing, and the, and the fourth is partnership. But I want to talk about each of these for just a moment, if I could. For most people, their journey starts with exploring. When you're at this stage, you have questions. You're uncertain about things. You're, you're not ready to dive in. You're just kind of dipping your toe in the water. Uh, you're wanting to learn more. You've got a lot of questions. And I want Radiant to be a safe place where somebody, if they're exploring, wanting to dive in, just kind of, you know, they're going to go at their own pace, but you know what? I would like to learn a little more. I hope this is a safe place where people can ask those difficult questions, and we embrace them with love and grace along the way. Another group of people that often find themselves in this explore area is they have reached a defining moment in their life. Something has happened, whether it's tragedy or something that's shaken up their life. It has interrupted their status quo and is forcing them again to ask the difficult questions in life. Truly questions we should be asking before the tragedy happens, but a lot of times isn't it interesting that it takes us hitting a wall to stop long enough, interrupt the noise and chaos on our lives and ask the questions we probably should have been asking all along. Explore is going to be the environments for that sort of thing. And uh, we'll talk a little bit later about what that environment looks like. Uh, the next one that we move to after Explore is Awakening. And I use the word awakening there because it's not us awakening. The Bible says it is God who awakens us, that he goes before us, that he draws us near. In our journey, if you're feeling that uncomfortableness, if you're feeling that pull to learn more, that is God at work in your life. That is the Holy Spirit drawing you in further to the conversation, wanting that whatever that is in your life to be awakened to the reality that there is more out there for you, that God has created you for more in your life. And so it's a step of faith here, and it begins as you slowly begin believing. You step into these moments. I believe this. I'm going to believe this. I'm going to step out in faith here. And for a lot of you, you may be at this point in your journey, and I say welcome as well. The call of Jesus is to follow me. The conversation we have at that point is the good news of Jesus, the gospel, the entire gospel of Jesus. Now, the next phase after that is growing, but it's right here that I want to hit time out for just a moment. And the reason why is this. This point between awakening and growing, notice I changed colors here from gray to white, and the reason why is I want to demonstrate that there is a chasm here. This point between awakening and growing is a stopping point for many Christians. It is a stumbling block for many and the reason why usually always centers around this issue, if you go to the next slide, on there of surrendering. You see, if we're going to step into the way of Christ and if we're going to grow, there are things in our lives we have to surrender and we have to give up in order for Jesus to work in our lives. But the truth is this. There's a whole bunch of Christians out there who are still negotiating the terms of their surrender. And there are things in our lives that are like, I'm not ready to give this up. Things of time, talent, treasure. I'm, I'm not quite ready to give this thing up yet. And it 
keeps us from growing and becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. A church did a study on this about 15, 18 years ago now, and it was called the Reveal Study, and what they discovered was nearly 70 to 80% of people, Christians, get stuck here. So I'm guessing in a room this size, there's a few of you that are maybe at this point. Are there areas in your lives that you have not fully surrendered to Jesus? Two other quick things that we walk through that are stumbling blocks here is the first one you can see at the top. When we first come to Christ, we kind of have a feed me mentality and we need to for a season. The church exists to help pour into you, to love you, to care for you. But we cannot get stuck in a feed me mentality. Jesus tells us no greater love than this than to lay down your life for your friend. He tells us to take up our cross and follow him. The way of Christ is not one of simply feed me. And, and in the feed me mentality, we get stuck there. We begin to see that church exists to, to satisfy my wants, needs, and desires, and it will take you down the road of consumerism every single time. Part of maturing in Christ and presenting you mature in Christ and growing is the realization that, yes, the church does exist to feed me, but I also exist to feed others. I exist to serve God, and I exist to serve you. And that's a stumbling block for a lot of people. And the only other one that they, they wrestle with, we've talked about many times, at that early part in our, our journey, Jesus is our Savior. We say, you know what, I love this forgiveness stuff, and I do, and, we, and, the, and this heaven stuff is amazing. I like eternal life, me too. But Jesus is more than just our Savior. See, the message of Jesus was repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. He was proclaiming a kingdom of which he is the king. The invitation to become like Jesus begins by bowing down to Jesus. He is our king, and we worship him. And so for that reason, a lot of people get stuck right here. But I want to go on grow real quick. Uh, go back one more slide, if you could, on that. I want to focus on grow for just a moment. As we wrestle with surrendering, we start stepping more and more into the way of Christ. And so I'd like to invite Pastor Ben up now to tell us a little more about what he's been working, about, working on and um, what we're discovering about the way of Christ. Come on up, Pastor Ben. Would you welcome him, please? That's so good. Ben, as Ben gets set up here, I want to appeal to a group of you really quickly here. There may be some of you here who church is new to you. Maybe Radiant is new to you. Maybe you've been here three or four weeks and you're like, there's some weird lady on stage with big old glasses. I've never seen her before in my life. What is going on? And I want to let you know, we have been having these conversations for three or four years. And so you are being welcomed into a conversation. We have been saturated in this for weeks upon weeks upon weeks. And it can be overwhelming. And it can be a little intimidating. And I just want to say welcome. Welcome. Welcome in this space. You are welcome here just as you are in this journey with us at this time. It's going to be a lot more getting uncomfortable. It's going to be a lot more of stepping out of our comfort zone. But the best part is, is that we're going to do it together. We're going to do it as one church, one voice who desires to serve Jesus and glorify him as best as we can. So if you are newer here, if this seems intimidating to you, if this seems new to you, welcome. We are so glad you are here, and we are so excited to dive into this journey with you. Can we go to Ben one more time? Come on. Very good. Well, welcome. We're glad that you guys are here. Um, I know they said we don't want to be the raddest and baddest church in town, but I think that sounds kind of awesome, personally. I think, I think we should shorten the name from Radiant to Rad Church. Uh, personal preference, whatever. Um, hey, a few weeks ago, I stood right here. And I opened the service with a question, and the question was very simple. The question was, how is it 
that we actually grow? How do we actually mature in Christ-likeness? Is it simply by attaining knowledge? For instance, if, if I were to devour this book and learn everything there is to know about it, I, I know it frontwards and backwards, I know chapter and verse, I have been educated on it, I, I know it. I know the, the Hebrew, I know the Greek, I know the Aramaic, I know the best hermeneutical practices for an interpretation. If I have all the knowledge about this book, is that what will actually mature and grow me? Is knowledge enough? Or is it perhaps experiential moments with the Holy Spirit where, say for instance, I'm going to prayer and worship services every single night, and while I'm there, I'm hearing powerful words being spoken from the stage, powerful words being spoken over me prophetically, let's say. I'm having you know, emotional moments with the Lord where he's clearly working, I'm crying, and I do that over and over and over every single night. Is that what maybe grows and mature me? Is that the silver bullet? Is that the ticket? Well, the reality is if, if we are to do those things, I, I think the short answer to whether or not those would grow us is, yeah, sure, potentially, right? I mean, after all, on the one hand, placing yourself in the study of God's word and uh, opening yourself to moments of experience and, and with the Holy Spirit, I mean, those can't help but be beneficial to our spiritual well-being, right? We, we know that. That's why even why we meet here today. But on the other hand, how many of us know this to be true, that believers can do all the right things for God and have a head knowledge about God, but still not be cultivating a deep, inner, personal relationship with Jesus Christ? We can perform on the surface, but if we're not careful, we can neglect the inner transformation that I believe Jesus wants to do in every single one of us. I love this quote from one of probably the most famous and influential books on spiritual formation. Uh, you name anyone in any denomination, they've likely heard of this book. It's called The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Highly recommend you check it out. It's just, an, it's a Christian classic. But he opens the book with this quote I want to put on the screen and read for you. Foster writes, superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. Did you catch that? Foster is saying that it's not that we need more smarts, it's not that we need more talent, not more charisma, but what we really deeply need is more depth. We need depth in our inner relationships. Christians who are cultivating deep, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ in their inner life, and not just strictly their outer expressions. It should be both, right? Paying attention to the deep things of life. So how do we grow? How do we really mature in Christ-likeness? I think Jesus himself made it clear to his disciples on how we grow and mature in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 4. These are Jesus' words I'm about to read for you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. 
it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Do you hear what Jesus is saying there? He's saying if you want fruit to come out of your life, if you don't want to just look like everyone else wondering what this whole thing is about, you have to abide in Jesus Christ. Stay connected to the vine. Remain in me, he says. Then fruit, then depth, and then maturity and growth will come. And this is sort of the main thrust of our message here today as we're exploring the core value of live as Jesus lived. We believe um, part of this idea of abiding or remaining in Jesus is to come underneath his way of life the way of Christ, and do the things that he did. And this is exactly what scripture tells us to do. So just take a look at uh, 1 John 2, chapter 6. This is the, the verse that we attach to our core value of live like Jesus did. And very simply, it says this, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Can I, can I read that for you one more time? That's kind, of a, that's kind of a big statement, isn't it? Let's read it one more time. Whoever claims to live in him, in Jesus, must live as Jesus did. Let that just sink in for a moment. Let that wash over you for a moment. Allow that statement to rest. I don't know about for you, but the, the question that naturally arises in my mind is like, all right, great. Uh, how do I actually do that, right? Like, what does that look like? Um, for instance, what, if I read this passage and I actually want to live it out and I want to live like Jesus did, does that mean I need to, you know, put my house on the market and book a plane ticket for Jerusalem, right? And like sell all of my possessions and give them to the poor, of course. And once I get there, you know, I got to find like a robe and maybe grow out my beard like Jesus grew out his beard and go around healing the sick and getting in arguments with religious. Is that, is that what this means? And my short answer to that is maybe, right? <laughs> like, maybe that's what God's calling some of you to do. I mean, the better question is, would you actually do it if he was, right? <laughs> okay. But likely not, right? Like, likely that's not exactly what this scripture means, but it does absolutely mean we need to live like Jesus did in our own context, keeping in mind the great commission that Jesus has sent us out to the ends of the earth to live as Jesus lived, right where we are here and now today. Did you know you can live and do the things Jesus did in your workplaces, in your neighborhoods, in your families, and in your churches? We are called to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Okay, so what does it mean to actually live like Jesus lived? All throughout uh, the centuries, since Christianity has been a thing, spiritual leaders, church fathers, and church mothers have agreed that we indeed are called to live as Ephesians 5 commands us, to follow God's example and walk in the way of love. We are to live like Jesus lived and follow his example. And one of the methods for following and walking in his example is by practicing what are called the spiritual disciplines or practices. Spiritual disciplines. By a show of hands, um, who of you have, have ever heard of the phrase spiritual disciplines? Raise your hand up real quick. Don't be shy. Yep. Okay, most of us, if we grew up in church, we've likely heard that phrase. And if, if you haven't heard that before, welcome. That's totally okay. I want to give you a quick introduction to what this means. 
Spiritual disciplines are a practical way to live as Jesus did by putting into practice certain habits into our own lives, okay? So let me give you some examples. What are these spiritual disciplines? Uh, if you, the list varies from person to person, um, but really there are nine core spiritual disciplines that many theologians have sort of zeroed in on, and they're on the screen here for you today. It's things like Sabbath, prayer, you've likely heard of that one, uh, fasting, refraining from food for a lot of, a lot of time. It's things like solitude and scripture, Maybe you've heard the word fellowship or community, simplicity, generosity, and hospitality. By those who came before us, these practices or these disciplines have been recognized for centuries now, for centuries, as central to the Christian's growth and maturity in Jesus Christ. It's almost as if we must implement these in order to walk in maturity and live as Jesus lived. Now, do these things save us? No. Does God love us anymore uh, based on whether or not we actually do these things? No, that's not what we're saying. Rather, these are just habits that will lead us into maturity in a development in Christ Jesus. I love the way that um, the website Renovari, um, which is uh, a kind of like a, a program designed for discipleship. I love the quote and how they describe the spiritual practices. We'll throw it on the screen. The practices of Jesus have been recognized for centuries as the core activities of the spiritual life. In the same way a runner is equipped to compete in a marathon by the discipline of physical training, so training through spiritual disciplines frees us to live each day with the easy yoke and light burden Jesus spoke of. Answer this question for yourself for a moment. Would you like to live in the easy yoke and light burden that Jesus promised his believers? Does that sound appealing to you? How do we then cultivate that? How do we step into that more and more? And many theologians who came before us, people who are far smarter than me, have come up with spiritual disciplines, not come up with, but have implemented them into their daily activities. I like, the, I like this. They're, they're activities that we can do to live like Jesus did. In other words, tried and true methods handed down to us in order to abide in Christ, to walk in his example and live as he did. They're simply a means to an end, right? Like if we were to look at the spiritual disciplines and be like, hey, once you've mastered all these things, you've suddenly arrived, right? That would be wrong, okay? These disciplines are just a means to an end, with the end goal is to actually know and have intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And we need to make that clear, right? These things are just stuff like, hey, check my box. Yep, I Sabbath today. Okay, I fasted this week. That was hard. I prayed a little bit. I read. That's not the goal. The goal is always fostering intimacy with Jesus Christ for the sake of loving others well. All right, so what does this look like? Over the course of the next many months and even the next many years, you're going to be hearing us talk more and more about developing this inner life and growing and cultivating relationship with Christ by stepping into what we're calling the way of Christ. Uh, we've been working for months now. We have been talking. We have been praying. We've been studying, implementing, listening. We have been working hard in order to bring this, uh, this pathway to you today. And I have to say on a personal note, 
I'm, I'm so excited for this. I really am. Like, this, this stuff really excites me uh, because I really believe that fruit is going to come for our church through this thing. And our hope is that um, our hope is to use these practices within community in order to spur one another on, right? Now, these things aren't meant to be legalistic, where it's like we get together with your community and you're, you know, hey, how did how did how did Sabbath go? Did you were you able to do Sabbath? No, I, I wasn't able to do it very well. It was hard, and you know, I ended up working a little bit. Our our goal isn't to to shame you, right? It's not legalism. Like, how could you? You are clearly not following Christ. That's not it at all, but rather we get together and we say, how, hey, how did Sabbath go? Oh, it was hard. And we say, hey, that's all right. We get it. It's going to be hard for a while. We've got years to figure this out together. Let's grow together. Keep at it. Let's try again next week. Here's some tips and tricks. And we come together in community. These aren't things we just go off in the desert and do. But we come together to help each other grow. Isn't that what the church is meant to be all about? So practically speaking, what does that look like? Um, we see this happening in the context of classes. We see this happening maybe within the context of existing small groups, maybe a, a new uh, community groups that form out of this around these materials and around these practices. Um, but we don't just want it to be knowledge again. Knowledge alone doesn't transform us. Knowledge can puff up, right? But we even see, like, what if we took retreats based around these practices? Like, what if we went off to a monastery for a day and just practiced not talking and being silent for a while, right? How many are like, that is my worst nightmare? No way, okay? <laughs> That's okay, right? Like, no phone, like, by yourself at a monastery. Okay. But again, we're doing it together to cultivate these things in our heart and our lives. What would it look like to go off and have different experiences, even partnering with Wellsprings of Freedom Ministry to deal with our past and deal with like where we came from, on and on and on, et cetera. So we're excited about what that is going to look like. That's what we're working on now. And again, not to check things off our list or, you know, not for a holy huddle to be like, oh, we've arrived at Christ likeness. The journey is forever. But our hope really is to reorient our lives around the way of Christ. And that's going to take years and years and years. I need to give you a disclaimer, though. These practices are not designed to just be one more thing to add on to your already busy plate, right? I, I know I, I, I hang out with some of you guys. I hang out with a lot of you. I know your schedules. It's nuts, okay? You guys are, like, running around, like, you know, all over the place, and, and you're busy. I know you're busy, and so the goal is not to just pile this on. Here's nine extra things you now get to figure out into your busy schedule. That's, that's not it at all. The invitation, though, is to go on a long journey to reorient our lives around the way of Christ. Because if we reorient our lives around the way of Christ, even reorient our schedules reorient our, our time off for him, we believe there's going to be so much fruit that's going to come out of this. Just think about it this way. Every, every ounce of our life, every bit, every foot, inch, and centimeter of our lives that we give over to God and make room and space for, he's just going to bless us with his presence and his goodness and fruit. That's what it means to abide in Jesus Christ, to remain in him, to take on his easy yoke. We do not want these to just be things added on, but rather we want over the course of years 
to reorient our lives around his way, the way of Christ. So the question is, how do we grow? How do we really, really grow? I believe that practicing these spiritual disciplines allows us and gives us the habits to abide more deeply in Christ, to live as Jesus lived, and to follow in God's example. Not for self-help, not so that we just become a better person, you know, and I've got my life figured out now. That's not it. That's not the goal. For the sake of loving others well. That's why we want to grow in Christ, to see his kingdom come. I'm going to invite Pastor Jason to come on forward again, but I just, I just need to say we are so excited about what's to come at Radiant Church. Um, look, we're still working at this hard. We've been talking about it for months, and so um, would you consider just praying with us as we're working this out? And would you consider how the Lord is going to call you into um, this pathway and into growing in Christ-likeness? through orienting our lives around spiritual disciplines and working on our inner life in Christ. Okay, thanks guys. Thanks Pastor Ben. What could God do with a church that is practicing the way of Christ every single day of their life? I believe that's a church that can transform a community. So we're looking forward to that uh, as we go forward. There's still one more environment uh, real quick that we want to talk about and uh, I'm going to go ahead and have them put that fourth one on there. First, give a round of applause to tech team. We have just put them through the mill this morning, all over the place on there. We're thankful for you. I will double your pay today. You are absolutely welcome uh, on that. So uh, the fourth one is called partnering on that. Many of you have heard us refer to partnership before, and partnership is a leadership step. As the fourth phase, it's, it's a point where people start moving into multiplying. They understand that because they exist for God, they exist for others, that they need to multiply. Jesus multiplied disciples. He's calling us to multiply disciples, and so we need to do that. But partnership is also a leadership step, and we know and challenge our leaders to help resource and equip other leaders to be everything God created them to be. So the invitation to partnership is to get in the game, to roll up your sleeves, and let's get her done. And, and we don't call it membership. You know, a lot of churches will call it membership. There's nothing wrong with that. Just for us, membership kind of has perks and privileges attached to it. We call it partnership because it truly is an invitation for you to join and come alongside us as we live out the mission of Christ in the world around us. And so we have this partnership uh, environment in particular. It's a six-week class uh, that we call partnership because I'm not very creative. And, uh, and, and you know what? I couldn't find the materials out there that I wanted to find. And so about two summers ago, I took a month off and I wrote a book. And it's called Dashboard Indicators. And the idea behind Dashboard Indicators is if someone were sitting in my office and they have before and said, you know what, Pastor Jason, I feel like I'm going backwards or I've stalled out in my journey. What are some areas I might look at? I mean, it wouldn't be every area, but hey, where are some that I can start with that might help create a conversation for them to look at some troubled areas in their lives and be challenged to grow? And what we discovered is those key areas are connecting and growing and serving and giving and multiplying. And so in partnership, it is the deeper dive. And we go in and we discover more and more, what does it look like to connect, grow, serve, give, and multiply? And so I invite you, uh, one of the questions I get asked is, when is the next partnership class? And the answer is, I don't know just yet. Hang tight with me. It's coming soon. It'll probably be this spring. But at the moment, I'm working on a couple big projects, and I need to get them off of my plate uh, before I, I step into that a little further. 
further. Uh, one of those projects, for instance, is that first environment we talked about, which is exploring. We want to have a place where we can connect with people who are in that exploring phase and begin a conversation with them. And so I've been writing a book uh, called What You Build Your House On Matters. Many of you kind of know the story from the Bible. Jesus tells the story of someone who builds their house on the rock and someone who builds their house on the sand. And we're going to just build on that, understanding that each of you have things in your lives from your past, from your upbringing, that you have built your house on. And we need to explore, is this God's story that you're living in or are you living in another story and how to invite you into God's story. That one uh, I finished up really in the last week or two, and I'm going to send it off for editing. And the next one, go back one more slide uh, if you could again, is in that uh, Awaken area. Uh, I'm going to finish that. That's going to be another book as well called Missing Ingredients. And uh, that one's basically, if you've got any cooks out there, anybody like to cook? I do. I love to cook. And uh, one of the things you learn though um, with recipes, if you follow the recipe, it tastes right, right? So you got to put all the ingredients in there. And, and, I, and I only know that because I've done that wrong before on several occasions before. Or you can have your son try to make something that asks for sugar and he puts salt in it. You'll learn real quick uh, that ingredients matter uh, in things. And, and so... Um, We've learned with the gospel that sometimes there's this Americanized version of the gospel that's been a little watered down. The point in this is we're going to explore what does the entire gospel look like? The gospel that says that you're more than just forgiven. You've been set free. You're reconnected back to God. In fact, the ultimate point of the gospel is Christ in us. He wants to place his spirit in our hearts, living in and through us and all that we do. So about 50% done uh, with that one. We've got a couple other projects going on as well. But my goal today was a couple things. Uh, first, if you're a guest, welcome. We don't normally do this, but from time to time, we do have to stop and just say, here's some things we're working on. Here's some things that are exciting to us. And just let you know, here's where we're moving into the future. Here's where we're headed. And that was the goal today. And I hope we've accomplished that. I'm guessing we may have hit you with a fire hose a little bit. And, well, we do that. And uh, so hang tight for the ride. We'll get you there. And, uh, but I hope you're excited by it as well. I hope you understand that we are intentional. This is built upon love. We truly don't want to just put shows on. We want to make disciples. And there's a huge difference between those two things. And that's where the journey began. And I want you to see that we are intentional, that we intend to go through various steps and uh, we want to create safe environments to have those conversations. So I hope this gets you excited. I hope this updates you on what we're doing. And uh, now let's just take a moment to pray. If we